0: This ain't working. There we go. Alright, 3 to 7 could be dismissed for Children's Church. The rest of you, if you would, open your Bible to First Thessalonians chapter 4. While you're turning there, boy, I sure love that last song that they sung. You know, it, it is the hope that we have in Him that we can even stand here this morning. I pray that, uh, as Jeremy said in prayer, that Christ is a reality to you this morning, and if he is, then we should have something to be joyous about, to have hope in, uh, to shout and sing. You know, when the preacher comes up, most of the time everybody gets real quiet and just stare, but you know, this is just another form of worship. So feel free to worship any way you want to this morning, amen? You ain't got to be quiet if you want to, that's fine, but if you want to shout, go ahead. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to be looking a couple of verses here. <clears throat> I did some studying this week and I was looking here and um, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul's writing to the people, the church of Thessalonica and he, he writes them approximately about AD 51. He had visited there around a year or so beforehand um, and he had founded a church. He didn't have time a long time to stay there uh before he had to leave. And so he writes them instructing them um, on some fundamental doctrines of the Christian life. Now these this church was primarily made up of Gentiles who were once uh former pagan, you know, work uh idol worshipers and things, and so they They didn't know all the fundamental doctrines and so he instructs them here and in the first couple of chapters he he recalls their conversion and he talks to them about their conversion of how they should no longer be walking in the same manner that they did before and isn't that what Christ does in our lives is that as Jeremy said it's a reality and it's a life changing reality. He lets them know that when you meet Christ, your, your life is never the same. That's right, that's right, your former conduct, that old man, that old woman who you were before is not going to be the same in years to come. You know, churches today a lot of times sadly is full of people who have religion but they never have had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They've never had that life-changing experience. You look in the scripture and when someone met Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us, fills that person on the moment of salvation and they are changed. Okay, They are never the same and I know that's what happened to me and if you're here this morning and you've never experienced that, I pray that you don't leave this building without meeting Jesus today. Amen? I pray that you wouldn't hear me today but you would hear the word of God and let it pierce your heart and mind. Now Paul, he lays out some fundamental doctrines here and he's speaking to them about some things that they may have missed. He goes and he talks to them and he, he tells them about purity in the Christian life and how uh, Christ should cause you to walk in a new way in life. That you should strive for holiness and purity in your life. He talks about brotherly love, loving one another. You know, actually he tells them that they kind of already knew them few things, but he lays out four things I want to show you here this morning of things that they might have looked past, things they might not have understood that he had to correct them on. And I think it's what God spoke to me this week on because it's something that I had kind of looked past in my walk. I've heard and knew about the purity and... And I knew about loving one another. But there's a few things that we just forget sometimes or we may not even know. You know, the Bible says that we should uh, search and seek what is good and acceptable to the Lord. And so Paul gives them God's word. It's not a man writing this. Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's God's word. And it's only by God's word can we know how to live the Christian life. It's not our opinions, we don't find it on social media or what the world says, it's by God's word. And that's what we're going to look at today. So I hope you bear with me, I'm going to try to stay on track. I'm ADD and dyslexic, so when everything goes on, I get distracted, so you know, forgive me if I look back at my notes, because I'm going to try to stay on track this morning. Paul talks to these believers here. And so this is a believer's message. I hope everyone here knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I want to talk to you this morning about it. Now, Paul says that you should strive to live this holy and pure life. He talks about loving one another. He says that he doesn't want them to stop there. I want you to look in verse 9. It says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you. So he's saying, you you know how to love one another. God's word is clear on that. He says, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Don't just stop there. Just because you're loving on people and you've got a few things straight, don't just stop there. We want you to increase more and more in your walk with Christ, to become more and more like Christ. Verse 11. If you got a pen here, this will be number one that I want you to underline. It says in verse 11, I want you to notice something before I get there. He says, we want you to increase more and more in your walk with the Lord. And he doesn't mention knowledge. He doesn't mention, uh, you know, all of, we want you to increase in your biblical knowledge, which is all good, uh, in your abundance of giving, which is all good. But that ain't what he mentions here. He says in verse 11 that you also aspire to lead a quiet life. Underline that. In your Bible. Paul says to walk and be conformed to the image of Christ. To abound more and more. Is to aspire to live a quiet life. That word. I looked up that word aspire. And it means to direct one's hopes or ambitions towards achieving something. It also means to desire. To aim for. To hope for. To long for. Or this one, I really loved, it said, to set one's heart on. So I want to ask you this morning, in your Christian walk, in your life this morning, do you aspire to live a quiet life? Now this word, quiet, doesn't mean that you should be silent. In fact... In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13, Paul says, as believers, we believe, so therefore we speak. We should always speak the name of Jesus. We should proclaim the gospel to the lost and dying world. So he's not talking about just being quiet and keeping your mouths shut in a lost and dying world. We should always speak the truth of the gospel. But in, in this context here, he's talking about living a quiet life as it mentions in Timothy, a quiet, and peaceable life. And then he goes on talking about modesty and simplicity. Living a modest life. A simple life. He also says in verse 11 here, after the quiet life, he says to mind your own business. So basically he says, get out of other people's business. Quit worrying about what everyone else is doing and focus on what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen? So I want to ask you this morning, are you here aspiring to live or longing for a quiet and peaceable life? Every year, uh, my mother-in-law challenges the ladies in her church along with my wife to really seek the Lord for a word that he would give you for the year. And her word this year is quiet, was a quiet and peaceable life. And it's something that we had prayed about for years. Just to have a quiet and peaceable life, to live that. We longed for that. We prayed for certain things that God would bring in our lives that have now, over a few years, come to pass. You know, Albert Einstein was once stated to say, a quiet and modest life brings more joy than a pursuit of success bound with constant unrest. Unrest. See, a lot of times there's nothing wrong with success and all of the things that we are blessed with here in the United States, but a lot of times in the pursuit of it, in the pursuit of that, it comes with so much stress and burden to obtain all of these things. We have unrest. We grow weary. We forget to go back and enjoy the simple things of life. We forget to enjoy the fellowship of other believers. As they came up and talked about the missionary trip, mission trip to Romania, one thing that I noticed everybody continued to talk about that the Manaries were longing for was just fellowship. It wasn't, hey, send us a biblical scholar who can teach us all of this stuff. Send us more money. None of that. It was, hey, we want somebody to love on us we want to talk to people we want to we want to have life with people one of the things that we were blessed with about this abundant simple life here this quiet life was a new property that we obtained by some good friends of ours and in that being out there in the quietness i've been able to fellowship with friends two new friends two two guys now that have struck up conversation and we've spent hours just riding around in a hot tractor, just talking about the Lord. But it was that simplicity that builds the bond between two brothers. It's, it's how we get to talk about life, how we get to grow in the Lord. It says, where two or more are gathered, there I'll be. And I feel like that the Lord has really spoke to me through this simple life. Amen. So I pray that this morning you're not worried or bound up on on you know so much of the success and what's taking place in your life is your ministry going right or all this and you just take the time to aspire that your heart's desire would be to live that simple and quiet modest life while speaking the truth. You know, one thing that me and Lane have been doing is we have We had made a promise to our children that we wouldn't watch anything that they couldn't watch. And so that's hard to find anything that you can watch as a family nowadays. And so we had to go back in time and look for old stuff to watch. And we come across and started watching the show Little House on the Prairie. Now, as a kid, I thought that was the dumbest show that's ever been on TV, and I just turned it off. But now that I've gotten older... I have a little less hair, and I see it now not from the kid's perspective, but from the parent's perspective, and we've grown to love the show. Our children love it, and we watch it at night, and it has good principles, you know, uh, biblical morals, and it teaches the kids things about loving one another, and you know, watching that, me and Lane have several times said, "You know, I wish we could go back to that time when it seemed like times was simpler. Although it may have been a little bit harder to live, it was simpler in the fact that we watched it on every episode after Sunday morning service, they go to church and instead of lit, you know being uh, in such a hurry, like everyone else is, worried about what everybody's got to do. And just blowing out the doors. They all just gathered out in the churchyard and had picnic. And they would stay there all day long. And and there was no you know, just some awesome thing happening where they had to organize everything and make sure that they had something that would just wow everybody to stay. They just wanted to visit each other. The whole town was there. Going to church and me and Lane said, man, I wish we could get back to that as a church where we would just spend all day up here just because we love each other and we want to. Because it's simple just to, just to get together with a brother and to fellowship with them. That's the life he's talking about here. I pray that we can get back to that. I think we can if we would just go back to the God's word and, and just meditate. Listen, when you get together with someone who has in common with you in with Christ in common, listen, the conversation can go on for hours. You don't have to have nothing special, but just watch what will happen when you strike that conversation up with a fellow believer. Number two, in verse 11 he says, not, also, not only do you aspire to live a quiet life, but to mind your own business and underline that to work with your own hands. Now, what was going on here in the church was that they were very concerned about the return of the Lord. He mentions it more in Second Corinthians. And he has to instruct them and write them and correct them again. And they were worried about the end of days because there was um, a lot of persecution going on. There was maybe someone who had wrote pretending to be Paul. And had told them that they were already in the day of the Lord. They were like in the tribulation. So they believed that Christ was fixing a return. And although that is very important as a believer, we should be looking and waiting for Christ. But they were, they were so concerned with Christ's return that they forgot to have life. They had stopped working. And Paul has to instruct them and says, look, I mean, you've got a life to live. You know, you don't just stand here gazing up into heaven as the apostles, the disciples did earlier. Remember, when Jesus goes into heaven, they're just standing around like, what do we do now? And the angels come back and they instruct them, says, go, now you have a job to do. You have a life to live. You have children. You're going to have grandchildren. You're going to have co-workers. You have people that need to hear the truth of the gospel. You have a job. You have to provide for your family as men. They were not even working. They were so concerned about the ministry. What they would call ministry. Did you know Paul says that It's a command. He says, we command you that you work with your own hands. Now, he lays that out in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and you can study that. But just going back, you know, that's something that I don't like to hear too often, is that I'm commanded to work. Because honestly, I don't like it. Me and Garrett was digging ditches this week, and neither one of us liked to work when it comes to that. I like the money, but I don't like the physical labor sometimes. But as men, we are commanded to work, that we should work with our own hands. You know, in back in Genesis chapter 2, before sin even came into the picture, when God created Adam in his image, he was created to be a worker. It says that he was there, he placed him in the garden, you can look that up, and he would put him there to tend the garden and to keep the garden. And that word keep, tend, they're both action words, okay? And it was that he was to work it with his own hands and he was also to take guard of it. That's what that word keep means. It was like a military word that he was to stand guard of what God had placed him over. And that's what we're commanded to do. And Paul says, you are supposed to work as believers, We're not supposed to just be so focused on what we would call the ministry in American Christianity that we stop working and we become a burden to others. That as men and women we are designed and created, men are created to work. It says there in Genesis chapter 2 that Adam was a worker and it was to be a blessing for him. Work was a blessing. Now that was before sin and so sin's taken its toll and it seems not to be today quite such a blessing because of the physical aspect of it. But it can still be a blessing. Work is a blessing that God blesses us with. I know very many men and women here, families who live for the Lord and the Lord has blessed them tremendously in their businesses in their work and through that has come a tremendous amount of blessings and people have come to the Lord through their businesses, through their work, through that, that type of ministry. In Psalms 128 verse 2 it says, when you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well. With you, There's something about, even though working hard takes its toll and in that moment you question what you're doing, there's something about working hard for a living. Living that life, providing for your family as a man when you are able to provide for your family that brings great joy. When you're able to reap the benefits, eat the fruit of your labor. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Number three, I want you to look at, in verse 12, it says that you may walk properly towards those who are outside. What you to underline that there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says that we are ambassadors or representatives for Christ. Now Paul's talking to these believers here and he's instructing them how to live the Christian life. And he lays out these doctrines and he's telling them that not only is this for you, but it's for others outside. You have people looking at you in your life and how you live your life. And the things that you do are going to affect Generations to come, it's gonna affect the people around you. Not only your family, but the people around you because they're looking of how you conduct yourself. I mean, if you think about this, if you're not working, and you become dependent upon the church or someone else, and you're broke all the time, and it causes stress and, you know, difficulties in your family, If someone on the outside looking in looks at your life and they see that, are they gonna, they're gonna long for that? Is that gonna be a good testimony to them? Because it says that we are a testimony to Christ. We are ambassadors. We represent Him. It's a poor testimony not only to your family, but to the out, people outside. And in verse four, I mean number four in verse 12, it says that you may lack nothing. Underline that. This not only refers to physical and material blessings, like it can in Psalms chapter 1, verse 3, talks about a person who delights himself in the law of the Lord. Someone who lives by God's word man who strives to live for the Lord. It says that that person is like a tree planted by the streams of water. Which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. But I can promise you by God's word that if you live for him. And you live by his word. Whatever you do will prosper that can be financial blessings in your business. If you put your business, you put Christ the head of your business, He's going to bless that business. If you put Christ first, the head of your home, He's going to bless that home. Whatever you do is going to prosper. God doesn't want us to walk around with our head down, moping, broke all the time, no job, and financial turmoil, and in turmoil in our families. He wants to give us life and life abundantly. Amen? I've seen it. I have seen it in my own life and other men and women around this church. You know, one of the greatest impacts that I believe that our pastor has had on this community and people around is through his business. He's put many people to work. He put me to work. In times of need, that's ministry. There's been people saved through His work. And the Lord has blessed that. He's blessed their marriage, along with many others here. You know, I got so focused, like these ones in Thessalonica, that I got so focused on what we call ministry, and doing church, and all of this, that I looked past all of these things that the Lord had already blessed me with. And the people that He had put me in contact with. And after the Lord spoke to me through this, I, I go over here and I I ask my worker. I say, hey, you know what? God's God's blessed me to work with a young man every day that I need to be witnessing to. So I ask him, I, I put him on the spot, and I said, hey, you want to preach? Called my home, needs somebody to preach. He looked at me, and I thought he'd say no. And he said, well, you know, I might do that. Next week, his daddy come up and said, hey, you know what? If he's going to do it, I'm going to do it. The next week we was at pre we were at the nursing home and he was preaching. And let me tell you that brother's the next Charles Stanley. Amen. 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 Don't look past what God has placed in your life, even if it's not in the church walls. You have a ministry in your family, in your business, and out in the world. And that's what I believe that Paul was trying to get across to these people was don't just stand there gazing up in the heavens. Worried so much about, I mean, biblical knowledge is great and we need to be learning and studying. That's the only way we know how to live. But don't just be so focused on these things and doing church that you forget to just enjoy the simple life and the fellowship of other believers. Like this morning, don't rush out when we close here and just worry about everything else you got for the rest of the week. Get somebody and take them to lunch. And visit with them. Call them. Get their number. Make a friend here. That's what this is for. Amen? Iron sharpens iron. We build a bond here as believers. And I want to get back to that. Because not only is when you do these things, not only is, is there blessings financially and in your marriages, but also a life this way, a life lived this way, It talks about it in James chapter 1 that it produces patience. And patience produces endurance. And that produces maturity that you lack nothing. It grows you in your walk with the Lord. When you take that quiet time, when you're not so busy, when you're able to visit with other believers. We look back on these shows and they went and visited each other and they just hung out and they talked. And we wonder why our society is the way it is now today. We don't even visit with each other other than social media. Let's get back to that. Why? So that we lack nothing. When you have friendship and fellowship, you lack nothing because you have the love of a brother or a sister in Christ. That's far greater than any financial blessing. Just like I mentioned earlier that the Menaries, they... They want fellowship. They want that companionship with another. That's something I believe that the church is longing for today that we need to get back to that they were facing there. Don't forget to live life. Enjoy it until Christ returns. And while we're enjoying life, you just watch what impact that has on this community and the world around us. Because let me tell you something, there's a lot of stuff going around the world and there ain't many people enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what God has blessed us with. Some of the greatest times that I've had with brothers and stuff in Christ here is hunting and fishing. Whatever it may be, whatever you enjoy, get with another brother, take them with you. I know many people here enjoy certain things and they bring lost people with them. And then next thing I know, them lost people are joining right with them because they want what these people have. And now they've met Christ. That's what we need to get back to. You know, in Acts chapter 18, and I'll close with this. In Acts 18, it says that Paul went to a town of Corinth. Now Paul's a missionary, a preacher. And he, he's, you know, one of the greatest evangelists that's ever lived. Missionary. Pastor. I mean, he's in the ministry. And during this time, he goes to a town and it says he meets somebody, Aquila and Priscilla. And I believe he met them because it says that they were of the same trade. They were tent makers. They had something in common. So, you know what he did? He stayed with them. He had life with them. It says he lived among them and he worked with them. And then every Sabbath, okay, once a week, he reasoned in the synagogues. Now, that's a little bit different than what we do. Because remember, the synagogue at that time was filled with Jewish people who did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. So he was going to unbelievers once a week, preaching the gospel. The rest of the week he was gathered with people he had something in common with. Brothers and sisters in Christ who had the same trade. They worked together and they had church together every day during the week. It's a little bit different than what we do today. I pray that we would get back to this. There's nothing wrong with finding someone in this church that you have something in common with and have life with them during the week. Fellowship with them. We've gotten to ride around and do all kinds of great things this week, some people that we have something in common with. Why? Because we aspire to live this quiet, peaceable life, to fellowship with other believers and to speak the truth of the gospel. Pray that you'd stand with me this morning. Pray this this today that before you leave you'd find somebody.